Hi, everybody. My name is Ashton, and welcome to Lunch Hour. Today, I am going to be your host, but also your guest. And so I want to talk about generational reconciliation, parenting, and Generation Z. And I want to start off first um, by saying I was at camp. Uh, this was winter camp this past March, and um, I was there, and we were having a talent show. And I was realizing something very um, unique about this generation, Generation Z, that um, is currently coming to camps and that most of you as next-gen leaders are serving. I came in uh, to the A-frame area. It's kind of like an area where a bunch of youth can gather. And um, they were having like a talent show and different people performing. So I came up to the front. I had some nachos. And I came to the front. And there I saw at this table there was like a seat open. And it was like, wow, this is really rare. This is so cool. I have actually a seat. I came in late. And so I sat with these two students. And this is what I noticed. While I sat with them, they talked to me twice. And it was just kind of strange because I was like trying to bring up conversation like, hi, what's your name? And, you know, and, and again, I'm the director of the camp or, you know, next gen director of the camp. So they know who I am and, and they were respectful. Like they recognized kind of that I was there. But the whole time, they just sat there and they basically were texting each other back and forth, the, the guy and the girl that were at the table. And um, it was just one of the most like weird moments for me because I'm like, I feel like this is like how old people feel. <laughs> like this is how old people feel. Like I feel just like I'm not connecting with them, this generation. Like they're just so different. They're so how they, how they talk to each other and like how they don't look you in the eye when you're talking to them. It was just really, really strange. And so um, I wanted to talk about Generation Z today, parenting Generation Z, but also I want to talk about the generation gaps that are just becoming more and more obvious. Um, being in Next Gen Ministry now for, you know, over a decade and seeing the changes it's very, very radical from when I was a kid. And it's funny because you hear older people that say the same thing. So I guess I'm old now, um, being 30. Um, but no offense to you out there that are uh, older than 30. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about generation reconciliation and just talk about really, um, I think that this is one of the things that as the church that we can do a lot better in uniting um, the generations in our church. Currently, there are five living generations. Um, right now in the church. And I think that the gaps between especially the baby boomers and Gen Z um, are astounding and huge. And I think that that even um, speaks to the, the nation's divide that we have right now. Um, and one thing we do in lunch hour, we always ask our guests to encourage. So I just want to start off with an encouragement, but also just kind of a realization of where we're at as a nation and with next gen. Um, it says this in Mark 3, verse 25, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And I believe that right now we're seeing such a divide in our nation because we see generations that have different political views, you know, the first one, the easy one to talk about, but just even uh, views on um, morality, views on church, views on technology, views on economy. There's just such different, there's there's a divide that we're seeing in generations. But I believe that we have something um, that's a unique opportunity as next-gen leaders, that we get to have the privilege of combining generations, of bringing them together, of uniting generations, of giving people value. Um, and uh, you know, being in ministry for years in next-gen, I always tried to have older leaders be in my ministry. 
Um, I always had a, a grandma, a grandpa, a mom, a dad, because you know, so many students don't have, you know, an active maybe mom or dad in their lives. And so I found out early on that the secret really to success for next gen ministry was having inter generational leaders, having different people from different walks of life pouring into students. Um, and I think that that was always a challenge though, because you always had kind of the cool young adult, hipster young adult leaders that wanted to be the, the core. But I made sure that I was having older leaders speaking in youth group and older leaders leading groups as well. And that there was a, a, really a unity in that. Um, in Psalms 133, and this is the message version, it says this, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly oil flowing down from the head and beard, flowing down on Aaron's beard, flowing down on the collar of the priest robes. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessing um, that he ordains life. And so there is a blessing in, I believe, this conversation of generational reconciliation and bringing together and I believe that this is something that as next gen leaders, we need to focus on. Um, I'm going to share a PowerPoint. You on the podcast, don't worry, I'll talk it through. Um, but I want to share this uh, PowerPoint with you so you can see um, what I'm talking about from here on out. So you can look at your screens. Um, let's see here. Just read that verse. Um, I wanted to give you guys a definition of reconciliation from a book that I read by DeYoung. Um, and it's the book is named Radical Reconciliation. And it says this, when we are reconciled, we exchange places with the other and are in solidarity uh, with rather than against the other. Reconciliation is a process that causes us to overcome uh, alienation through identification and in solidarity, in solidarity with the other, thus making peace and restoring relationships. And I believe that that's really what this is, that that um, looking at reconciliation in generations that we are taking away from, oh, that's the other generation or that's how they did it. No, it's finding solidarity. It's finding the mutual respect um, in that. And that's what I want to talk about uh, today. Um, here's something interesting. So parents, um, it's always been a challenge with me as a, uh, as a next-gen leader, how to engage parents. Um, Barna did a study and I wanted to give you, this is, what engaged parents, engaged Christian parents feel unprepared to discuss these issues with their teens. And so think of these numbers and they're going to be much greater for parents that aren't as engaged. Um, so this is, but like, this is like your model parent. This is like the good parent that you have in your ministry. And this is what they feel unprepared about. 27% um, feel protecting their teen from harmful influences. They don't feel prepared. 27%. Um, 24% navigating through social media and technology use, 20% answering tough questions about Christianity, God, and the Bible, another 20% balancing freedom and having rules and expectations. So um, these are the things that parents feel unprepared about. So for me as a next-gen leader, I want to help equip my parents. And actually, I wanted to talk about a few things that are easy that you can get parents involved. Um, I know for me, uh, these were the four easy things when I was a youth pastor that I got parents involved in. Um, number one, when you have a baptism service, it's a great way to highlight your next gen ministry. Um, so if you're going to have a baptism service, 
um, invite the parents to come talk about the vision of your youth group or your kids ministry, or even your young adults ministry, get family to come in and be involved and celebrate what they're doing. But that's a great way to bring parents in, bring family in and equip the family. I think one of the biggest problems for being a next gen leader is that you think that maybe you're just the pastor of a kid or a youth or a young adult. That's a mistake. No, you're, you're really a pastor of a family. And out of that, you're a pastor really of a community. And yeah, you may be under, of course, a senior pastor and you're aligning to their vision but you're pastoring a community, you're pastoring a family, and you're pastoring a specific age group together. So the first thing again is like a special baptism service. That was really an awesome opportunity for me to get parents buy in, come in, let's celebrate together. Um, and maybe even you do that on a Sunday morning service, we'll have an opportunity when you're baptizing youth to maybe talk about your youth or young adults or kids and about how parents can get involved in the ministry. Um, special graduation service. Every year I'd have a graduation service. And you can do this again through kids, through young adults, you know, preschool to elementary, um, elementary to middle school, middle school to high school, high school um, to college. And you can bring in parents in and celebrate, but also then equip parents in those times, engage parents in those times. Um, so the second one would be graduation services. Uh, then the third one would be um, just a special parent night, um, inviting parents to come in, you know, not on a youth night and just literally just engaging with them, equipping them and giving them resources, talking about, you know, a calendar, for instance, of what's coming up in the year. And I know many people do that. And even some people on the live call right now, um, I know Fernando has done this before and I did this as a youth pastor. And it's a great time to equip your parents. It's a great time to talk about the vision of your ministry, your next gen ministry. Um, the other, the fourth one that's just easy is uh, a special camp preparation night. You know, have parents come in and talk about um, camp instructions because you know there's so many instructions for camp you know packing lists and the dates to come in on this and maybe the final day to pay you know getting parents in there and getting you know parents signatures and forms but while you're doing that that's also a time that you can equip your parents and so there's probably other times in your unique context in your church where parents are coming in take advantage of those times um, and bring parents into those meetings um, parents are allies again you're, you're pastoring parents um, really just as much as you're pastoring uh, students. Um, I'm going to go back over here to uh, my presentation for you guys. So, um, so I want to talk about um, different parenting styles of the Generation X and, ge and older millennials, because that's who's uh, parenting our uh, Generation Z students that we're serving uh, today. Um, they can be de defined as helicopter and he head in the sand parents. What I mean by that is the parents that we're dealing with today, they're either overprotective or underprotective. Um, they're overprotective in their child's education and success. And um, here's something you can see on the screen. It's, it's a funny thing. It says like 1969, parents looking with a teacher, explain these bad grades and they're kind of shaming their kid. Um, that's this cartoon graphic. But then today, they're looking now. The, the picture today is they're looking at the teacher um, with their child and say and, and blaming the teacher, and shaming the teacher, saying explaining the bad grades. And that kind of shows you today the difference of from the older baby boomer generation till today. Um, that really helicopter parents they're so focused on kids' education, their kids' success. They'll do anything. In fact, even right now in the news, there's a scandal right of of you know very wealthy parents that were. Um, doing scams to get better SAT scores and get their kids into elite colleges. Um, so parents will do anything, they'll cheat, they'll do anything to get their, their kid 
um, in, a, in a good school or be successful. Um, but then, so that's the area that they can be maybe way overprotective in and involved in their lives. The area where parents aren't involved, this is what I call head in the sand parents, are in technology, are in church. Um, we actually find that I think it's 15% of millennials and Gen X parents are actually really concerned with their kids' spiritual growth, only 15%. And so spiritual growth um, is something that they're, they're, they have their head in their sand about, but also it's technology. Um, this is the big one, and I want to talk about that uh, today a lot, uh, a lot more, because a lot of parents, they're not involved in their kids' um, technology. Their, their heads in the sand. Um, and so we have these two extremes. You have the extreme of parents that are the helicopter parents that are, ex, you know, just totally obsessed with their success in their education. But then we have helicopter parents that aren't in really um, involved in their kids' spirituality uh, or their kids' uh, technology. And so um, kids need more protection. So I want to talk about this. Um, what, what are the areas that kids need protection and how can we equip parents um, number one, pornography with the looking at tech, um, 25% of all online, all online searches are pornography related 25%. Um, it's crazy. 32% of teens admit to intentionally accessing nude or pornographic content of these 43%, uh, do so on a weekly basis. And these are kids that admit. So again, this is the, the number is going to be a lot higher of your students. So I would say it's fair to say in your youth ministry right now, and this is boys and girls, right? This is both genders that struggle with this. Um, it's a myth that girls don't struggle with porn. Um, yes, guys struggle with it more, but not that much more. But 50% of your youth group right now are accessing pornography on a weekly basis. You just have to assume that right now. And what's crazy about that is only 12% of parents know their teens are, are accessing pornography. 12%. So there's a huge issue in technology. Um, there's a huge issue in, in parents not monitoring their students in technology. And so as youth pastors, as kids pastors, as young adult leaders, we need to help them in this. Um, Cyberbullying, uh, this is crazy. Um, one third of Gen Z have been cyberbullied. Uh, that represents 23 million are being cyberbullied. And a common, here's a common cyber bully, an example of this, um, is that often you'll see on Instagram, um, you'll see uh, a number below maybe like a young lady's picture. So if you see like a five under a young lady's picture, you know, it's just a five. What does that mean? Well, that's a rating, a one out of 10, right? One being um, they're not very pretty and 10 being they're pretty or a guy, they're handsome. And so you'll see that there, and that's a form of a common form of cyberbullying um, that parents, again, might not be aware of, or we might not be aware of, is they're rating them. Um, that's a very common form of cyberbullying. But there's also people that are threatening. There's people that are taking down and making fun of them. I mean, you know, it's it's crazy what students are going through. Again, 23 million students have been cyberbullied. One third. Um, suicide is the second leading. Uh, cause of death in Generation Z. Um, depression rate is 14%. Anxiety rate is uh, 31%. So again, around 23 million um, students right now have anxiety problems. 15% uh, um, have depression and suicide is at an all-time um, all high. And so these are some of the things that we're dealing with that we need to educate parents on. 
that we need to help parents with. Um, I want to talk about some social media uh, guardrails because um, I don't think a lot of this is really talked about. And I want to empower you as next gen leaders so that you can empower parents and you can empower students. Um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter actually has an age limit. You have to be 13 years old to have an account. And so I would argue, and I'm going to be a soon to be father <laughs> uh, coming up. My wife is, uh, is pregnant and we're due in September. And so I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, one of the rules that I would have for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and what, whoever knows what other social media platform comes out is they have to be 13 years old to have a platform. You actually have to put your date of birth in there. Now, a lot of uh, kids that are younger, they lie. But as a parent, as a youth pastor, we should not be allowing our students to lie. I mean, if they're going to lie about that, what else are they going to lie about? That's a character thing. Um, and so I think that we can help parents say, hey, um, you know, it's 13 is the, is the age range of, uh, of social media. That's even what they have on their account. Um, and I think it's going to be hard too when they've already maybe have a social media account. That's another conversation. Maybe the toothpaste is already out. It's going to you know, be impossible to get it back in. But I think, again, if we can be proactive and talk about this in our youth ministries, especially, um, then it's going to be key. Um, have cell phone rules and limits, you know, teaching parents that uh, you own the phone and you pay the bill. You're the parent, so you set the rules. <laughs> so they can put limits. And again, I don't want to be legalistic about this, you know, but I've heard some people that they just take all their phones up at eight o'clock and turn them off and even including their parents' phones, except for maybe one of them that has it for emergencies. Um, you know, again, if, uh, if you, uh, if your, if your student has a, uh, a social media account, then, um, they need to follow you and you need to follow them. Um, and so basically, yeah, if, if you have access to the account, um, then yeah, you follow me and I follow you. Um, here's another interesting thing about this. 60% of kids believe that YouTube can teach you everything you need to know basically about life. So YouTube is the second largest search engine. So just being aware of what's on your students' um, phones, what they're looking at. Um, again, as a, a parent, you can limit. Um, now with screen time and privacy and iPhones, you can actually limit the amount of time that you can be on social media apps. Um, and so these are some things that you can do. These are some guardrails. Again, not being legalistic about it because I think we need to um, disciple students where they're at. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up about this is an analogy. I think uh, because I get asked this a lot with our camps, I allow students to, to bring cell phones. And a lot of people don't like that. But here's what I want to, I want to give you an analogy. I want to give you a visual of what I think is happening. Um, I think that cell phones and social media it's kind of like going to the beach with a bunch of next gen from kids, from youth, young adults, going to the beach and having a party and then all looking at them and saying, hey, sorry, you can't get in the water. What I mean by that, you can't have your cell phone, you can't be on social media, you can't get in the water. Um, and, I, and I look at social media as, as waves and I see people trying to fight it, you know, they try to fight social media. Um, and again, I'm not saying you don't have limits. I just talked about all the guardrails and things that you can have. Um, and, and even age limit that I think you, could, you should have. Um, but looking at, at those waves coming in at the ocean, like you can either let those waves pummel you and reject social media and say, you know what, no, I'm not going to get an Instagram account because, you know, I'm older and my student can have it. No, like if your student has an Instagram account, you should have an Instagram account. If they have a Snapchat, you should have a Snapchat. Like all of those, like you should be engaged. So you can fight that and then get hit by those waves, by the way. The waves are going to win. If you've ever been at the beach and you try to fight 
against a good wave, you're going to lose and you're going to eat it. Um, or you can ride those waves. You can be involved with your students. Um, you can be involved with your kids. You can be in their lives and you can see what they're talking about. You can be um, more engaged with their friends. You can see what they're talking about. And again, maybe your, your, uh, your kid or one of your students, you're seeing that they're being bullied. Well, now because you're riding the waves with them, um, you're engaged with them, then you can minister to them when they're being bullied. Or you can minister to them when you can see that maybe someone had um, a hurtful comment towards them, or maybe they were bullying somebody else. But we need to ride those waves um, together. And uh, I think that that's how I, I view uh, social media, and that's how um, I, I like to look at it, is I'm going to be involved. Hey, let's get in the water together. Let's have limits, but let's ride these waves together. Let's journey this together. I want to be involved in your lives. And if you want to be involved in Generation Z's life, you've got to be on social media. You just got to be. Um, and you know this all as next-gen leaders. Um, so here, let me go back to my PowerPoint. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is just a few things specific about Gen Z, um, just to know them a little bit more. And then I want to talk about some resources. 31% of Gen Z are on their screens four to eight hours a day. 26% of Gen Z are on their screens eight hours a day or more. Um, so that's why they're known as the screen uh, generation. They're on their phones constantly. Um, and I think it's, I believe it's 50% of Gen Z are on social media at least every day um, on social media. Um, I thought this was really interesting. In 1971, 80% of third graders walked to school alone. By 1990, um, that number dropped to only 9%. And today it's even lower. And so we're seeing students that, they're not outside as much anymore. They're not hanging out outside as much anymore. They're, they're, they're being more protected. And I think this is obviously because of the threats of our world. You know, 9-11 um, shook America, shook the world, uh, terror attacks, school shootings, all of these things. Um, but really what was interesting is I was finding that the statistics of safety, we're actually in a safer world right now than we were back in the 70s. Um, and, and maybe that's because people aren't letting their kids walk to school. Um, but, you know, we're, we're living in, in, in a pretty safe place, but we're seeing that students and, and children specifically are just being less outside. And I thought this was interesting that children from 1990 and on are playing less outside and meeting less new people. However, online, they're meeting the world, but often not um, IRL. IRL stands for in real life. In result, this has made the younger generation less emotionally expressive less energetic, less talkative, and less imaginative, uh, less uh, unconventional, and pretty much less everything except for technology and global awareness. And so our students, and this explains my story in the beginning of when I was sitting there with these students, they just, they weren't really interacting with me. They weren't looking at me in the eye. Like, again, they weren't being rude to me when I was at camp and I was sitting at their table, but they were just not being as involved. And so I think when we look at Gen Z, um, I think there's some things that we can help teach them. Number one, it's physical presence. Um, again, the IRL in real life. Um, man, that sounds like a great series to me um, if I was doing some next-gen ministry right now in a church. Um, in real life, teaching them basic um, like social skills, how to talk to each other, how to be in small groups, um, how to be present um, to, uh, to God, to others, to themselves, how to be more aware. Um, obviously, sexuality is a huge thing um, in, in Gen Z right now um, that they're struggling with. 
Um, so how can we have uh, biblical um, grounds for what uh, sexual identity is? Um, how can we teach them um, what the norms of sexuality is? Um, versus again, we were looking at the stats of pornography. Pornography is teaching students the sexual norms of today. Um, no wonder why we're seeing such perversion um, in that. And so we need to be just as bold um, in, in sexuality and in, in teaching that. And I'm gonna bring up a resource in a moment. Truth, um, one third of Gen Zers uh, believe it's not morally wrong to lie, one third. And so we need to start teaching them uh, what truth is and talk about biblical truth and talk about um, how to live an authentic life. Um, help them know that they're seen, belong, and that they're loved. Again, with social media, um, I was actually doing some research in this. This was really interesting. In social media, um, they believe, I think it's eight out of 10 believe that they need to have a brand that literally when they're posting, um, everything that, that they're posting is going to follow them. And so there's a great fear um, for Gen Zers of how they're perceived. And that's why, uh, and even millennials, I would say, that's why they're posting um, really not who they are. Um, they're, they're posting the best version of themselves and then comparing themselves to that version. So there's a lot of fear that Gen Z, um, and I would even say a lot of millennials have of being real with people. Um, and so we need to help them be seen. We need to help them belong and help them be loved. Um, and again, help them discover who they are. I think uh, Gen Z, looking at them, they're very optimistic. They want to change the world. They want to be involved. Um, but one thing that I saw again with Gen Z is that they're very confused. Um, even asking them basic questions, Barna was asking them basic questions, and the number one answer to all of the questions is, I don't know. They were just asking basic questions like, you know, who is Jesus? And when they're talking about religion, well, I don't really know who he is, or, you know, um, you know, what do you think about this social issue, or what do you think about politics? It was just a lot of, I don't know. And I think they're afraid to maybe um, be real. And so we need to create safe places for them um, to, to be real. Um, let's see here. So that's a little bit about Gen Z. I wanted to bring up some resources for you guys. Um, these are the top resources I wanted to, to give you. Um, Meet Gen Z. This is where I'm getting a lot of these statistics. Um, you can get this book on Amazon. It's Meet Gen Z from Barna. I highly recommend it. Um, it's going to give you incredible insight into this uh, next generation. Um, there's a free Christian sexuality resource um, by Preston Sprinkle. He's somebody that actually Foursquare um, has had uh, come in and speak. And so it's biblical based on um, Christian sexuality. So on here, I actually have resources. And, so, and this will be available in the podcast and also in the video. And right now it's, in, uh, it's, it's live in the chat, but there's 15 resources on um, Christian sexuality from, you know, I think the first ebook that's free is Should I Attend a, um, a Gay uh, Couple's Wedding? Um, also, you know, what about, I think there's another book that talks about 15. Um, affirming statements about homosexuality, but also it talks about here's 15 responses about what the Bible says about homosexuality. And so these are, I think this is, this is going to be really good. And there's also a podcast there I recommend. Um, family Limits for Social Media. I found a great website where I got some of the content I was talking about, some of the guardrails. Um, this is a great website. Um, it isn't a Christian website, but it talks a lot about the psychology um, of why uh, students need to have less time on their, on their phones and how you can parent students um, to have less time on their phones. Um, Orange uh, did a podcast on parenting social media. Uh, uh, again, I got a lot of my content from that. I encourage you to read, uh, or not read, listen to that podcast. Um, and then Faye's uh, parenting books, these are also from Orange, which is a curriculum, a Christian-based curriculum. 
Um, there's a bunch of phases they literally have from phase. Uh, I think it's like from one years old all the way up until um, high school. And so there's a book on each one. So you could literally give that to parents. Um, you could read that. That's going to be something that could resource you um, basically when you're talking, talking to parents. Um, one of the last things I wanted to talk about today uh, with you guys is a strategy to, to bridge the gaps. And so I'm writing a academic paper on this right now. And I just wanted to give you five quick points um, on how we can bridge uh, the genuine generation gaps. Um, number one, it's begin with genuine, genuine respect for different generational viewpoints, uh, a mutual respect and empathy um, for others. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, older people uh, maybe feel like they're not as respected, uh, that we, they just need to go into the younger generation's uh, viewpoint, but we really need to have a mutual respect um, and open communication, empathy for each other. Um, number two is accept that different traditions and methodology will be empowered by each generation. Basically, there are different ways to do things. Um, we need to accept that, that there's going to be different methods to doing things. Um, but the message and the, the mission of what we're doing um, needs to stay the same. And um, so that's just, again, accepting that, accepting that there's different methods. Um, number three, understand there is strength and balance in generation diversity. And so right now, there's really four generations um, that are in power. you got the baby boomers. You got Generation X, you got Millennials, and you got Generation Z. Um, those are the really the generations right now that are that are in power, you know, up and coming um, generations. And so I call them the Quad generations, um, and they only represent. Uh, well, sorry, one of those generations obviously only represents twenty five percent. And so we need to understand we're only going to bring twenty five percent to the table. That we need the four generations. Um, together, we need a balance of that diversity and, and balance of people, different age groups and different generations together to get through um, just the different issues that we're facing in the church and even in the marketplace. Uh, number four, realize that there is integration tensions uh, will, requ will require the creation of new terminology um, to delic delicately handle any position of discord. Um, basically, what that means is that we need language. We need to develop language, how to communicate. Um, with each other. Uh, I was just talking um, to somebody online. Um, maybe that's not talking to somebody, but I was just talking to somebody online and he was saying, you know, I just wish that more people would look me in the eye. He's a baby boomer. You know, I would just really respect that if people put down their phones. Um, and maybe in a, in a large way, Generation Z is like, well, man, I'd really rather have you just text me about that or maybe a little bit more private message. That's what I want to talk about. You know, so just knowing how that generation is communicating. What's their language? You know, how do they need to be communicated with? Um, I just think there's a lot of language barriers just in our generations. Um, even, you know, a, a fun example is like looking at emojis. Um, like today, like a lot of people are, are communicating in emojis. Um, that was not on the radar of a baby boomer at all, you know, uh, or, or was text message. Um, and so just understanding that and understanding how to communicate to them. Um, then the last one uh, that I have here is, uh, and accept the fact that for any community and organization to survive, they need to incorporate all the quad generations. So we need to have intergenerational ministry. Um, we need to include everybody together. If we're gonna survive, um, we need each other. And looking at, again, the division that we have in America in general, 
and then just breaking it down to the, to the division that we have in the church, I think it's going to start with our generations coming together. And I think that um, millennial, my generation, I think that generation Z there, we want to change the world. We, we, we want to dream up of a new world together. And that's only going to happen with the wisdom that we're going to get from the generation X and the baby boomers and us working together um, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And so thank you for listening to that. Again, these resources will be available uh, to you um, in the podcast, um, on the vlog, um, and right now in the live chat. And uh, I uh, pray and hope that you can join with me in the ministry of reconciliation, um, taking away otherness and bringing people together in community under Christ. Thanks for listening.